Well, good morning. Welcome to Mariner's Church. Thank you guys for being here. Special welcome to uh, our friends upstairs in the loft. Hey, you guys. I was up there worshiping with them a few moments ago. And um, boy, great sound, great seats, great everything. Yeah, they're, they're, they're up there doing their, doing their own thing. They can make faces at me all day long, and I have no idea what's going on. But anyway, a lot of people, welcome, welcome to you. The whole loft thing is part of our, our what we want to do is... I mean, our goal is to get as many co-siders as possible connecting with God through Jesus Christ. I mean, that's what we're, what we're here for. And, and so what we've done is we've kind of launched into a way to make things bigger here so more people can have that opportunity and that experience. And that not only includes more seating for adults, but when adults come, you know, you bring your kids. And that's a wonderful thing as well. But our kids' ministry is, is too small for a facility. And so we've started... Um, um, just kind of a, a, a building fund called New Wave. And New Wave is kind of the whole new wave of us reaching more and more people for Christ. And so there's information about that kind of back in the welcome area there as well. But it's, you know, we're, we're contributing to, to raise funds to, to be able to expand, to tear down some walls and, and make more space. And also part of the more space was to refurbish upstairs as well. So if you'd like to be part of that, you know, hey, welcome. You're going to be hearing more about that. This thing, we're really excited about that. Hopefully, we can break ground, Lord willing, you know, in fall, if, if possible, for that one. So, um, but we do need more funds, and so if you haven't been part of that, your opportunity um, um, is now. It's actually any time. So, and those of you that have given, thank you guys so much for for that. Things are happening here. I do want to attract your uh, draw your attention to the two flowers that are over here on the side. Um, what these are are whenever somebody makes a decision for Jesus Christ as their Savior for the very first time, um, we symbolize that with, with a rose here. And um, this past week at the Hume Lake Winter Camp, two high school students made a decision for Christ. So let's be very thankful, yeah. Most important thing that can happen, and so it's really, really cool, and we're really, really excited about that, and so um, that's really, really fun. Hey, well, today, um, this morning, we kick off, you know, ta-da, the 40 days um, in, in the Word, and we're going to be talking uh, about this thing called the Bible and figuring out why is it so important? I mean, what's the big deal uh, about this? What's in it? And, and really, why should it be important in my life? And this is what we really want to come to, and, and at the very end of the, the next 40 days, we want you to say, wow, um, amazing. My eyes are opened up to see the incredible things that God would have for me in that. Um, there are four key parts to what we're doing, just, just, just to let you know there's four elements of helping you grasp the Word of God in a better way. Um, there, there are, first of all, the weekend messages, which are the most important thing, by the way, of, of, of all things, just to let you on that one. There are also life groups, which really are probably the, the most important part. If you can't make it on a Sunday morning or Saturday night, make sure you get to your life group because they're going to be going over some stuff that's really helpful for you and for your growth. As Len mentioned, if you don't have a life group yet, there's still ability to sign up, and there's still tables back there, and I know the life group that I lead still has room, and so we'd love to have you um, join us and be part of us, but those are really important. Journaling and reading the Bible. Um, also, a Bible memory component that Len mentioned, the little key tag thing that has a Bible memory verse on it. If you are saying, man, I'm not sure I can make each weekend service, how am I going to get a tea tag? Don't worry about that. Don't stress it. If you come back the following week, we'll sell it to you for 50 bucks. So it's not, <laughs> it's not a really big deal. And there's a fifth element, and that's your heart. You bring in you to this and your openness to what God could have and do in your life. Now, when I was in college, um, I, I really had some, some 
some big questions about the Bible. I mean, some really big ones. And, and you, you may, too. I, I mean, how do I, even, how do I even know this thing is accurate? You know, I mean, it's a 2,000-year-old book at the very best, you know, and, and in some stages it's older. And how do, I, how do I know it's true? I mean, couldn't it be just a bunch of made-up stuff, you know, that somebody wrote down and some people thought collected? And, and how can you really even know what it means, you know? Can I even understand what somebody 2,000 years ago wrote? How do I know what it means today? And, and, and what's the whole point of it anyway? I mean, what's the point? Is it just a few collections of poetry and writings here and there? And, and then how does it even work in my life? And those are great questions. And I think those are questions that we should ask. In fact, those are the very questions that we're going to be talking about in the next six weeks as we spend time t- together. And we're going to be looking at these. We, we live at the beach. And, and, and so what Jesus is going to say to us in this story, a very famous story, is pretty easy to picture in our heads. And here are the words of Jesus. He said this. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise, the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and ignores it is foolish. A person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against a house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Now, we get this, don't we? I mean, this is not a hard thing to picture in our heads. You know, we've watched on news and TV when sometimes the bluffs in Pacifica begins to erode away. Apartment complexes and houses are on the very edge. And we, we know, and with the price of homes, it hurts. You know, if you see people's whole houses coming down, or even those even in the poor people in Santa Barbara with all the, the mudslides that's going on there. Now, Jesus is not talking about real estate. He's talking about what? Real lives. He's talking about that. And he's saying as much as it would hurt to lose your house, you just think how much it would hurt to lose your life, to have your life just go flooded and flowing, flowing away. And that's true as we sometimes see people on the back end of a life not built on Jesus Christ trying to put the pieces back together again. And it's also true on the front end. This is part, man, it just kind of wrenches my heart if I see like a middle school kid or a high school kid or maybe walking to school or taking a break or something like that. And I don't know them. You know, I don't, I don't know. I haven't seen them around here. And, and maybe they go to another place where they can begin to understand the Word of God and the Bible. But I say to myself, if they're not building their life on the Word of God, if they're not building their life on the words of Jesus and don't know Him, I know the statistics of what those kids are going to have to go through by the time they reach an adult. I mean, there's a lot of temptation and a lot of stuff that they're going to end up doing. And I don't want to have to meet with them now in their 30s and find out all the junk that went on through their teen years because they did not have an opportunity to hear or not have that chance to really experience the Word of God. And that kind of stuff hurts. It hurts me, and it, and it should hurt us. And, and reality is, is for, for any of us... You just don't know when the storms are going to come. We, we don't know. And we want to be able to handle them. Well, what, what is the Bible anyway? I mean, I mean, I mean what is, what is, what is this, this thing? I mean, how can we categorize it in our lives or, or, or put it in a, in a place? Psalm 19 in the Bible says this, The heavens proclaim the glory of God, 
and the disguised display his craftsmanship. Now, that's not hard to understand. That's not hard to figure out. Did you see the sunset on Thursday evening? Did you see that one? Whoa. You know, it was one of those where, oh, my gosh. You know, God went out of his way to do this one right. And it was, you know, the clouds, it was the marshmallow clouds, all the puffy ones are kind of all stuck together, you know, there. And, and heading out towards the west, it went from, from gray to kind of a blue to kind of a pink, then to kind of the orange, and then the fiery orange as it got close to the horizon of the sea. And you just look at that and you just go, holy cow. That declares an awesome creator that God is. And this is what this verse is saying. Um, we, um, um, we live in a place with a lot of nature around here. God's blessed you to be able to live here. I mean, it's incredible. You know, we've got the bluffs, we've got the ocean, we've got the sea, we've got the sand, we've got all that kind of stuff. I was hiking um, Montana Mountain with my kids a couple weeks ago. And, and as we were climbing up, we got above the clouds. Have you ever done that, above the clouds? You know, those of you that fly all the time, you know what this is like. But when you're hiking, it's something special where you're above the clouds and you just see them all just whoosh, you know, spread out. All over. You know, as far as you can see, you're just above the clouds, and it's incredible. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. Skies display his craftsmanship. It goes on. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or word. Voice is never heard, meaning nature is not going to holler. You're not going to hear it. Yet their message has gone throughout the earth, and their words to all the world. What it's saying here is nature speaks and it reveals. And what nature reveals, it's not saying, hey, look at us. Nature's revealing God. It's saying, look at God. <laughs> look at the God who put us there. Now, there's a term for this, and it's a theological term. And it's just one of those that's probably helpful for you to know so you can just kind of put some category in your head. The term for this kind of revealing or revelation is called natural revelation. Natural revelation or natural revealing. Revelation because it reveals and natural because it reveals through nature. It reveals God through nature. But nature has limits, I'm in telling me about God. Nature is really only limited to what I can see and experience at the moment. That's the limits of natural revelation. It only can go so far. There are certain things about God I could never know. And I need something else, something else to tell me a little bit uh, about God. Now, I can, through nature, know that God is very creative. You know, just look at the diversity. You know, you've got jellyfish, and, and you've got sharks, and you've got whales, and you've got, you know, sea anemones, and you've got all these kind of, God's incredibly diverse. And I know also that God has a sense of humor. Just look at an ostrich, you know, and think like, what in the world could you think of, of that one? But there's certain things that I can't really understand about God. It doesn't reveal everything. So we need something else, something else to help us know. Now, suppose for a second, and this is kind of nutty, suppose I want to know what the weather's like in Idaho right now, okay? Suppose I want to know what the weather's like in Idaho. Now, I like Idaho. It's the only place in, in all creation I can catch fish. It's in Idaho, so I like, I like Idaho. Now, now, I can know what the weather is in Half Moon Bay pretty easily. All I have to do is what? I have to step outside. It's right here, you know? So through natural means and natural revelation, I can actually know what the weather's like in Half Moon Bay. I can know that. But Idaho's, you know, a little bit distant away. And how am I going to know what the weather's like in Idaho? How do I do it? How would you do it? 
Easy. Google. We just Google it, right? We just simply pull out our phones and we can Google it and we can find out what the weather is in Boise, Idaho or, or, or wherever you want to go. In a sense, we can do that because someone over there and back there has taken the time to chronicle that weather and put it online and able to send it to me. They've done it in a very special way. They've been able to reveal it to me in a special way. Do you understand that? I can only know things that I don't know or couldn't possibly know by somebody on the outside revealing it to me here in this place. And the same is true with God. Certain things I can pick up about God through natural revelation. There are certain things. But other things, the only way I can know is if God can reveal them to me in a special way. And that's called not natural revelation. It's called special revelation. Okay? Special revelation. And, 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 and there it is. And that's what the Bible is. It's special revelation in that God reveals things to you and to me that ultimately we would not know. For instance, the work of God, the character of God, and the nature of God, the plan of God, how God has been working through history. I could never know that unless God revealed it to me. Does that, does that, does that make sense to us? <laughs> Two different, different types. So Psalm 19 says this. Heavens proclaim the glory of God, skies display his craftsmanship, natural revelation. But then it jumps to this. The instructions of the Lord, there it is, special revelation, are perfect. They revive the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy. They make wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right. They bring joy to the heart. Commandments, commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. And that's what I would want. I want insight for living. That's what's important to me. So, so I have this thing, it's special revelation, Okay, God revealed it to me, and we'll talk about how we can know it's true and all that stuff um, coming up. But how do I get myself in a good spot where I can really begin to get it into my life? How can I really begin to build my foundation on it? And here it is. If you want to take notes, here you go. I have to hear it, and when I hear it or grasp it, I have to hear it with an open heart. And it means that I have to be open to the fact that God can speak to me. I have to be open to that. Open to even to that possibility that God could, could do that. Now, now, here's where, and again, I mentioned in college, I was really skeptical about all this stuff because I had grown up maybe much like you and been told it's the word of God. You know, God said it. I believe it. That's the end of it. You ever heard that one? You know, God said it. I believe it. And I thought, that's not good enough. You know, how do I know God said it? You know, how do I know God said it? How do we even know that? And I was taking world religions classes and philosophy classes and logic classes, and I'm thinking, ah, some of the stuff I've heard, I'm not sure I buy. And so I, I remember thinking, you know, with all the brilliance of a 19-year-old, you know, whatever that means, um, had, and I really began to think this thing through and work this kind of stuff out. And I, and I came to, to some questions that I asked myself. Question number one, and this is the start of it, and this is a start for an open heart. Can God exist? Can God exist? And that's a big question, you know. That's a big one, and that's a, and that's a good one. And I concluded, you know, there's really no such thing as an atheist. The best atheist is really only a good agnostic. An atheist has to come to the point where they say, I know everything about the universe, so I know that there is no such thing as God. Because I know every single fact about the universe. And no one can say that. In fact, the only one that could say they know every single fact about the universe is who? God. You know, so there you go. You kind of self-defeated yourself. And so really the best atheist is only an agnostic. I don't know. 
And so I had to ask myself the question, can God exist? Of course he can exist, you know, he can. There's, there's certainly a possibility for that. And also the more I studied it, there was also probability and plausibility for all of it. And that was big for me. But the second one was this, can God communicate with people? And this is now we're getting into the special revelation part. Can God communicate with people? Well, if he's God, God can do pretty much anything, and of course he can. Now the question is, is if he did, what would that communication be like? Well, it would have to be consistent, all the way through consistent. It would have to have, have um, a theme to it. couldn't be too wacky, too whacked out. It had to be cohesive. It couldn't be made up. It had to read real. It had to have depth. It couldn't contradict itself. And it has to know me, speak to my heart. Every single one of those attributes or qualities found in the Bible. Every single one of them. And no other writing in existence. Jesus tells a story. It's a farm story. Um, it says a farmer went out to plant his seed. Okay, you got that one so far? You know, farmer seed, not hard. Okay. He scattered across the field. Some seed fell on a footpath where it was stepped on and birds ate it. Other seed fell among rocks and it began to grow, but the plant soon wilted and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up with it and choked out the tender plants. You know, Still other seed fell on fertile soil. This seed grew, produced a crop, a hundred times as much as it had been planted. When he said this, he called out, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Meaning, listen to this one. This is important. Got it? Farmers spread seed, and there's roads and birds and rocks and drought and thorns and weeds and some good soil. And we think we get it, and then Jesus is going to explain it to us. His disciples asked him, well, what, what this parable meant? They, they didn't quite get it. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. There it is. The seeds the fell on footpath represent those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. Seeds fell on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while and they fall away when they face temptation. Seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message. All too quickly, the message is crowded out by cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and they never grow to maturity. And the seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. I love it here, he says. Good-hearted, good-hearted people. And it also says that they not only hear it, they cling to it. And now it has everything to do with me. If I come to the Bible with the attitude, I'll decide myself whether I'm going to do it or not. What I'm doing at that point in time is I'm putting myself in authority. I've just kind of reversed it around. I'm in charge of this book, and I know more about myself than God ever could. So when the Bible says, in the same way you husbands must give honor to your wives, and guys, listen to this one, treat your wife with understanding as you live together, I don't have the option of saying, nah, nah. Now, that leads to the next, if I'm going to build my life on the Bible, I, I, I need to do what it's saying. 
Now, in talking about the house on the rock and the house on the sand thing, Jesus says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Now, now everyone that's here, here, every single one in this room, uh, I would guess and I would hope, did something today. Every single one of us did the same thing today. We looked in a what? Mirror. Okay? Every single one of us looked in a mirror. Anyone here not look in a mirror today? Anyone? Please don't ever. You know, because we'll be able to tell then. Okay? You looked in a mirror, and, and you looked to see what damage was done from last night. Okay? Isn't that what you do? You know, we do that all the time. And, 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 and you know, try and fix it. You know, you do everything you can to fix it. You know, I, I'm getting working over this coal thing that, like, this coal will be in hell. Honestly, it will be in hell. And, you know, I get the bags. You know, I got bags anyway. I got my bags are now carrying on luggage. You know, that's the kind of the way it goes. It's like, what do you, what do, you do with this one? And, and, and anyway, you looked in the mirror, and you plucked something, or you combed something, or you squeezed something, or you covered up something. I mean, that's what you do when you look in the mirror, isn't it? I mean, that's what you do. You don't just look in the mirror to see, see how bad you are and then walk away from it. You don't do that. Do you know there was a time, and this is interesting, um, there was a time when some people in churches thought that makeup was a sin. Okay, wearing makeup in church was a sin. You didn't realize that? And it wasn't that long ago. And honestly, some of you might say, yeah, I went to one of those churches that, that was that. Um, is makeup a sin? Is makeup a sin? For some people, not wearing makeup is a sin, honestly. <laughs> you got to understand it. No, please, you know. Pile it on. It's, it's important to us. Remember Happy Days? Remember, remember the show The Happy Days? It's still on on some, some TV channels. Happy Days is about life in the 50s, 60s, or, or, or whatever. And, 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 and there was a character on it that was always perfect, and it was the Fonz. Remember the Fonzie? The Fonz, black leather jacket, hair sl- slicked back. And, and, and whenever he, it's so funny, he'd walk by a mirror or a window where he could see his reflection. He'd walk by and he'd pull out his comb to, to comb it, but he's perfect. And so he'd just go, Hey, you know, and he, he just keep he'd walk it on because he doesn't need to change anything because he's the Fonz. He's perfect. We're not the Fonz. We're not perfect. We look in a mirror and we see something that needs to be changed or something that needs to be done or something that needs to be altered or modified or moved or lifted or whatever else. That's, that's us. I'm not like that. And James in the Bible uses this mirror verse. He says this. Don't listen to God's word. Just don't listen to it. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. There you go. For you listen to the word and you don't obey. It's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, forget what you look like. I don't remember that big thing there. And if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing A um, good friend of mine, um, actually a guy I worked with in Florida for a while, he, he was invited to a youth convention for, um, to, to speak. Um, and in this youth convention, there you know, you had hundreds, thousands of high school kids that, that, that came in for this youth convention to grow in their faith, to learn more about God and all that. And they brought in some really keynote speakers, you know, big-name people. But they also asked other guys, just kind of local youth pastors, if they would give a little seminar as well, and, and you could sign up and on this one. And so he was one of the elective speakers. And, and, and because no one heard of him, because there were big, huge names that were speaking there, they just gave him a little side room with about 15 chairs and all that one. And, and <clears throat> so he, he wrote his title of what he was going to be talking about, and he posted it out front. And 
kids were milling around figuring out what seminar to go to, and, and, and it didn't take long for his room to get completely filled up. No one had ever heard of him before, but, but his room got filled up, and they said, man, we need to give him a bigger room. So they moved to the room next door, which is about twice the size, and in just a matter of moments, that one was filled up, and so they moved him even to a bigger room, and pretty soon they had to give him the banquet hall for, for, for this, on this one. Unknown guy, you know, no one had ever heard of him, but it was the title that attracted all, attracted all the kids. It was on 1 Corinthians 13, okay? 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter. And what he did was, for all these hormone-crazed kids, he entitled 1 Corinthians 13, How to Make Love Without Using Your Hands. Okay, there you go. <laughs> and he packed it out. The place was just packed out with all these kids. How do you make love without using your hands? How do you make love without using your hands? And he started out with this, okay? Love is patient, love is kind. This is how to make love without using your hands. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice. rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. It never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Love never fails. That's how to make love without using your hands. Right there. The truth of the word of God. That changes lives and will have an impact in you. And the last, last point I want to make is don't ever let it leave you. If you're going to build your life on it, don't let it leave you. One of the earliest verses I memorized was Joshua 1.8. It says this, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Just listen to what it says. You shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that's written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you'll have success. One of the very few places in the Bible that promises success in your life, and here's how it promises that you'll have success, is when you don't let it depart from you, and you're careful to do everything that's written in it. There you go. And then you'll have success. And so if you're really serious about being a successful mother, or a successful father, if you say, I want to be good at this dad thing and this mom thing, or good at this partner thing, or good at this mothering, or this, this, this husband or wife thing, if I'm going to be serious really about being good as a student thing or just simply neighbor thing, this is God's promise right here, promise from God. And so I say read it and get to know it and be familiar to know all about it. Worship team, would you guys come on up? I'm going to ask you, as we're going to just read the words that we started out with, Jesus' words about the house being built. And I'm going to invite you, if you don't mind, just would you bow your head with me, kind of to set apart the distractions and so you can just kind of hear and, and listen to the words of Jesus Christ, the words of Jesus Christ, and then we're going to pray, and then we'll be done here. Jesus said this. Here he goes. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows its wise like a person who builds a house on solid rock. For the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house. It won't collapse because it's built on rock. And you don't know right now what storms are going to be coming in 2018 or 2019 or 2020. Maybe you're even going through storms right now. What I do know is those things will shatter you. 
if you don't have a solid foundation. And I also know, based on the promise of Jesus, your house, your life will stand if you're building it upon the Word of God and His words. So I would say just now, get into a life group. Learn about this. Build your life on it. For success, for prosperity, for life. Father, I pray and I ask that you would bless us as a church because we want to honor your word and how you've specially revealed it to us. And, and I pray that we would all grow together deeper in love with you and deeper in love with each other. And the world you've called us to reach because you're going to change us in this and change us as a church. And so do it. Have your way. And I thank you. I thank you for these people. Love them so much. In Jesus' name. Hey, thanks, you guys, for being part of today. Um, If you haven't met some of the people around you, make sure you do that after the service. See you guys in life groups, and see you have a great week, and God bless. Let's all stand. We're going to finish with a final song. Let's make a lot of noise on this one.